gospel message is brought to you by the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. You have promised me that I shall reign with you. You have promised me that I shall have dominion. You have promised me that I shall be in hell. You have promised me that I shall prosper, even as my soul prosper. I stand on your promises. In the name of Jesus, this is my pledge. This is my pledge. This is my declaration. And it shall come to be. And the people say, Come on, let your amen be loud and clear. Put your hands together for the Lord and find two people. Tell them I'm a child of promise. Come on, move around. Tell somebody. Five people, I'm a child of promise. Five is the number of grace. Come on, get involved. Let's get involved. Get involved. Get involved. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. I am a child of promise. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We are all welcome in Jesus' name. And thank God for a bright sunny day. And um, is this autumn or summer? When was summer? The Lord is the Lord of all seasons. And the seasonal blessings shall be yours in Jesus' name. Alright, so we, the, the Lord laid on our hearts that this month shall be called the month of fruitfulness. Amen? Amen. And uh, I hope you're expectant that uh, you'll be fruitful. I hope you're looking forward to see the hand of the Lord manifest in your lives. And so you will need to take some steps. You will need to free yourself from everything that can hold you back. And so leave this month in the liberty of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. And as you do so, you will see the hand of the Lord in Jesus' name. Alright, so uh, the short message we have today before we pray um, is taking, the test is taken from Romans chapter 8, verse 11, and the title is Romans eight eleven. You know, most of the time we struggle to look for title. I just, this morning I said, I'm not looking for any title. Uh, you know, you don't even remember the title. What's the title of the message last week, somebody? Well, that's, that's rich, you know, because that was Thanksgiving Sunday anyway, Okay. Okay, if you do remember, God bless you for that. Wonderful. And so you can easily remember Romans 8, 11, can't you? Oh, I need to, you to get involved. So can't you remember that? And surely you will in Jesus. Are we there already? Can we have it on the screen, please? Romans chapter 8, verse 11. All right, shall we all read together? I want to go, please. Any chance of us reading it? Maybe from the same version on the screen, if we may, all of us together in unison, want to go, please? Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I just caught the chase straight away. There are a few things I could see from that passage. The first thing I could see from there is the fact that the Spirit of God dwelt in Jesus. 
And that same spirit that dwelt in Jesus is by that spirit that he did miracles. In Acts chapter 10, it says that for God anointed Jesus Christ with Holy Ghost and with power. Amen. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18, it says Jesus himself declared according to the prophecy that was in the book of Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Amen. Are you there with me? So, the spirit that dwelt in Jesus, it was by that spirit that he opened the blind eyes, that he made the lame to walk, that he stopped the ears that were deaf, that he opened the tongues that were tied because they were dumb. That same spirit that dwelt in him, by that spirit he did miracles. It's also by that same spirit that Jesus Christ was able to live a life without sin. Because in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, you will need to help me upstairs and put those verses up quickly. Hebrews 4, 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without that same spirit made him to live above sin. Is that same spirit that made him to speak words that people from far and near wonder that we've never seen a man speak like this before. And there are quite a few Bible references that pointed to the fact that Jesus Christ spoke words that just made people to be, you know, dumbfied. They, 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 they just, they just, they become dumbfounded. They couldn't say anything because there was a spirit that made him to do all these things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That same spirit made people to say that he did all things well. In Mark chapter 7, verse 37. Mark chapter 7, verse 37. That same spirit made him, people to say he did, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying he has done all things well. Do you want people to talk like you, about you like that? Come on, that is nice. He said they were all, they were astonished beyond measure. They were so astonished and awe-stricken, they said, he has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Amen. Now, one more thing that that spirit did for Jesus that actually blew my mind. John chapter 10, verse 38, I think. John chapter 10, verse 38. Verse 18, sorry. John 10, 8, 18. And, 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 and that did it for me. Because if you remember Romans 8, 11 that we read, he said that by the Spirit, you know, that the Spirit of God was in Jesus Christ, and that's that quickened him and raised him from the dead. What does he say? He said, go to verse 17 for me, please, so that we can read it in context. He said, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Amen. Look at verse 18. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. Stop there. Jesus said that when he died, he was not killed. When he died, there was a power in him that able to make him to cease living. Nobody has that power. No human being. That got to a time, even the people that commit suicide, unfortunately, they did not in lay down their lives. So Jesus said that there was a time he decided to release himself and said, I am not living anymore. And he laid down his life. What did he say? I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. 
This command I have received from my father. That's the same spirit that was in Jesus, and that is the highest level of human power that I can imagine. That somebody can say, I'm ceased to live, and I, when I will, I want to rise again. Well, let's even grant it to those that decide to take their own life. They don't have the power to bring it back again. But Jesus had the power to lay it down and had the power to bring it back. And so, if you don't know the extent and the scope of what the spirit, go back to Romans 8 verse 11 for me, please. If you don't know the scope and the extent of what this spirit that was in Jesus can do, it's about time we begin to look at it. He said, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So we have established a few things just to get us going. Number one, we have established that the spirit of God dwelt in Jesus when he was here on earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Number two, we have also established that that same spirit that dwelt in Jesus made him to work miracles. Amen? You agree with that? Made him to live a life of holiness. Amen? Made him to, at the very extreme, lay down his life, cease living, and when it was convenient for him and the work was done, to start living again. That is serious. Now, that is not the message. The message is that that spirit is in you. But you will ask me, and rightly so, if that spirit is in me, why have I not been seeing what I had to see? You know why? Because we have not believed that actually that spirit is in us, and we have not tapped into that spirit. And if I can summarize it, one word is what has hindered us walking in the power or the fullness of the power of the spirit that dwells in Christ. You know that one thing is unbelief. I hope you know by biblical standard that if God were to rank sins, he would not rank sins the way you and I will rank sins. Number one sin before God. Because if you go back to the book of Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12, he mentioned there that those that did not enter in, they didn't enter in because they, you know, uh, lied on the way. And lying is bad. Not because they committed fornication on the way. And fornication is bad. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Oh, on Sunday morning, I'm telling you this one. It's not very sweet, is it? And you know, there are many things that we have stratified in the church. If anyone is to be excommunicated for unbelief, I'm not sure there will be anybody in this church this morning. Because when, when, when we are checking level of sins, when we are checking levels of, you know, ill dream, we are very quick to pick the ones that normally look so big to us. Generally speaking, you might say, ah, fornication, adultery, homosexual practice, lying, murder. And anyway, all these things will stratify them based on the area you have been hit yourself. A person that somebody has lied against, when they say what's number one thing, we say it's lying. Because all liars will go to hellfire. As far as we are concerned, it's the one you have suffered from that is the worst. If they gossip against you, you will find Bible passage to say that's number one sin. As far as God is concerned, that is by the way. Number one sin is unbelief. In actual fact, that is why he says that those that sin against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And we believe that truly the sin against the Holy Spirit is when a person 
had impression from the Holy Spirit, knew what God can do. Because it says that in, in, in Hebrews chapter 6. And the person decides not to believe. That is why the children of Israel, they were unredeemable. He said they had an evil heart of unbelief. And therefore, God left them. Number one thing I want you to go away with today, make up your mind you will be a believer. You will not be an unbelieving believer. Because we throw the word believer around, but sincerely, many times we don't believe as we should. If there's one thing you will build up in your life, build up how to live a life of believing, 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 believing. It can be hard, but that is where our life lies. Believe whether it is convenient or not. Believe whether it is soothing or not. Believe whether it makes sense or not. Believe, 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 believe. And those that God works with most are those ones that believe. Not because it's palatable, but simply because the word of God has said so. Hallelujah. So that's point number one. The spirit that was in Jesus is where now? Ah, in, is in me. Thank you, sir, for the us. We like to be inclusive. But at the end of the day, this thing is a personal thing. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. In me, in me, in me. Do we still know that causes? Ah, if anybody that knows it in this room, apart from my wife, I'll give you a gift. Jesus is alive in me. Thank God I didn't commit myself to the gift. <laughs> the gift is a handshake. And believe you me, that's a good answer. Anybody else? All right, you take the answer there. Right, you take it there. Hallelujah. I almost committed myself. God saved me there. Jesus is alive in me. In me, in me, in me. Jesus is alive in me. In me, in me, in me. Jesus is alive in me. The body of the songs, I can't remember that now. But at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is that he lives in you. Amen. If you give your life to Christ, Jesus lives in you. And the same work that he did in Jesus' life, he will do it in you in Jesus' name. Point number two, very quickly, before we move on. Point number two, very quickly. Point number two is go back to our anchor verse, which is Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And what is the title of our message today? So when you write it on your blog, just write Romans 8, 11. Some of the Sundays, it might just be Sunday message. That's, that would be the title, Sunday message. You know? And so we only take, put title on it when we hear expressly from God. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm sure you remember Romans 8, 11. What does it say? But if. Now, those two words are very, very important. Now, many of you, you, you've studied your Bible very well, and you are quite aware of the word but, isn't it? The Bible will say something somewhere, and then a good example, 2 um, Kings chapter 5. It said, Naaman was the general of the Syrian army, and uh, he was Jesus. He then said, but. He was a leper. So, but is a contrasting word. Now, when you join but with if, then you are dealing at a level that is even higher. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, but if, but if, I want to conclude very quickly here before I go on. If is, anytime you use the sentence, if A, B, C is so, then X, Y, Z should happen. That I believe in all my heart, that is, though it's a programming language, but above all it's a faith language. If God were God, 
He will do this for me. I can multiply example about if and then because that's where faith starts from. If it is this, if this is a chair, and I know chairs can hold me, I sit on it, it's going to hold me. That is faith. So every faith is based on if and the aggregate of how many ifs and resulting in it actually happen depends, uh, the aggregate of that will define who you are as a person. Let me give a good example. I say, if I give Shaya George something to do, he will deliver. Okay, so I give him something to do and he delivers. So that becomes a statement of faith. Now, I have faith in you, that's why I gave you something to do. Is that making sense to somebody? So anytime you see if in the Bible and the statement that follows, and that if has to be do with a condition that comes from God, almost without any doubt, without failing, you are in for a miracle to happen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Let me show you something there. That the whole of our faith life is an if line. If. If A, B, C is so, then the rest is so. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, Read together with me. If it is you, command me to come to What was in Peter's mind when he said, if it is you? If it is you, everything was based on, yeah, it was based on if it is you. The whole of that miracle was based on what? If it is you, then ask me to come. If. So if the spirit of Christ is in me, then I can do all these things. Now, the man believed immediately. As soon as Jesus confirmed that it was him, what happened to him? He received power to walk on the sea. So every time in your life, base it on if it is. In this case, it is if it is you physically. But let it be based on if that is what the word of God says. If he says, I lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover, then they will recover. If, well, as soon as I read and I say, if you call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. If he says, call on me on the day of trouble, I know I will be delivered. If he says that when you look up unto me and I will open the heavens upon you. Also remember, if God says this is the month of fruitfulness, then I will be fruitful. Are you following the trend now? So the whole of scripture is about if it is. As soon as you can prove that aspect that truly it is, you are sorted. The problem we have is that most of the time we don't believe that it is so. If it is. If it is. If it is you. If the word of God says so. That is faith. That's all. Nothing more than that. That's all faith. If the word, and you believe that you've tested the word of God. Uh, I was thinking of it. I said, you know, if you put a plate, if you put some food on the table, and and there's, there's say, I say, I maybe you just want to make it say, say, if it's Mrs. Bailey that cooked it, it's going to be sweet. That's not invitation, please. So. <laughs> Sincerely. And, and and then I can sit down. I've not taken advantage of it as much as I should, but at the end of the day. The matter is that you have tested that person. You could believe on that person. Have you tested God? Have you really tested God? Have you got to a stage in which you can say, you know, many times people do that with me, these if things. They would get to the church office. They say, if pastor is saying, I know pastor somehow I will see him. I know you do that a lot. 
And then, <laughs> and then somehow you, 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 you get by and then, you know, and you know, because you've tested somehow. And sometimes even when I'm so busy, I say, hi, ah, pastor is there. I will just show my face one second. And you, you come in, you show your face. Usually when I'm busy, I say, now that you have seen me, you can go. Your one second is over. But the truth of the matter is that I think recently somebody said, if pastor, just, just gamble. I said, I, 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 and I walk right to the midst of something. I just haven't got the time. And I said, no, I can't see the person. But you see, that if that that person had in mind paid off. People do. I said, I won't see that person. And please don't come Monday morning. I'm sincerely. And, and this person said, you know, believe that if. Somewhere along after I said, no, I said, call the person in. And I called the person and I said, well, you will need to see me tomorrow. You know? Where am I dragging that on with that? I'm dragging on it that sometimes when God doesn't answer you exactly as it is, his nature still never changed. You will never be able to say that my original trust in him that is a good God has been, de- has, has been dealt a blow. Never. I mean, if he me as a human being, unplanned, I just found out, I said, well, at the end of the day, this person came in that where the man will be well disposed. Somehow, he can be a softy. And truly, the person got it. I didn't see the person. The person still went. But part of the truth of the matter is that he had that faith that he had, that that is the kind of man he is, that was not let down. How much more God? How much more God? And because effortless sometimes, we just find ourselves behaving according to the pattern of which people have said before us. Unless the person is unstable. But most of the time when people say that, you know, you will come on time, you will come on time. I have an appointment with somebody. I, I, just, I just pride myself in that. You know, somebody first mentioned that about, you had that story before about Pastor Adeboy, our general overseer. You know, it was when uh, Louis, who was the former uh, general overseer of the Elim Church. And then he said, it was an 11 o'clock meeting, five minutes to 11. He said, if Enoch says we'll be here for 11 Five minutes to 11, we'll be here. And the man was walking down the street to meet him, and there he was there. Now, those are human beings. Our problem is that we think God is a man. And the Bible tells me in Numbers chapter 19, is that God is no man. He will not lie. If he says he will do it, he will do it. He may not do it the way you want it, but you will never be able to say his nature is wrong. Never, never, never. Unless it's not the same God I'm serving. So if that same spirit dress in you, if, if, if that same spirit, the conclusion is that that same spirit that dwells, dwells in Jesus, raising from the dead, that spirit is in you. And that spirit, if you believe it, will do all he has promised to do. Can I hear amen unto that? Yeah. All right, very quickly, how does the spirit work? How does the spirit work? Do we see how Romans 8, 11 on the screen? Very quickly, how does the spirit work? So we first establish Number one, that the same spirit that was in Jesus was also the spirit that did, that made him live holy, that even made him to lay down his life and raise him again. And believe me, that's that's quite some power. So I'm just telling you this afternoon that you got power in you. Now, the point is that when I say you got the same power that Jesus had in him, in you, how many of you believe it? Don't raise your hand. How many really, really believed it? You believe it that we're a little bit sure of it. You know, it was God. We didn't function as God, he functioned as man. That's why he had to be anointed. And so it's about time that I talk to Ross and we talk to one another seriously about this faith issue. Believing the word of God. And I have seen quite a few things in my time. The first person I laid my hand on and the Lord healed in a spectacular manner was close to 25 years ago, probably more, 1980. 
I was in the village church at that. 1986. Did anybody? How long ago was 1986? 30 years ago. I'm a very young man. 1986, I remember. It's a very small church. And I just took the word of God. I think I just got born again. Maybe within about three years, two, three years after I got born again. And I came to this just little church. And by the special grace of God, I took the word of God practically. And God opened somebody's eye. I wish I'd been taking that word as practical as I've been, I did. Do you know the early stages of your faith, you are a lot more open to God than as you grow. The more you know the Lord, you start having theology. And you start reading all these books. And all these books start telling you that miracles have stopped. And they start telling you the 21 reasons why healing does not take place. When you first gave your life to Christ, you don't even know healing don't take place. As far as you are concerned, you are so naive. And it's good to be naive in the Lord. It's good to be naive. In fact, those of us that are too clever, they are the ones that we get the least from God. From today, there will be a change in our lives. Yeah. We will begin to walk in the fullness of the promises of God. Now, you are hearing all this, and you are not feeling any lighter. I know why. You are still not feeling that, say, well, I know, I know, I know. But this is where I am. We are there simply because of a few steps that we have not taken that we should take. Let's realize that all this thing that I've talked to you about is based on one thing. How did God use the spirit of Christ to do all that Christ did? It's through what is called the Zoe life. There's a life in God. And he mentioned it in our Romans chapter 11. Who raised Christ from the dead will also, we also, we also, come on, let's say this together. We also, life varies. The level of life varies. Life can be measured. Some people, we are low on life. Some of us, we are high on life. And so, if I'm not seeing signs and wonders, if I'm not doing what I should do, despite the fact that the Spirit is in me, is because my life is, the life of God in me is low. Because Jesus Christ promised that those that believe, they will have abundant life. So, if life can be abundant, then life can be small. So, life can be measured. All that is wrong with us is the level of life that is in you. You see some people like that. You know, you've been to your surgery before. You just see them like that, sleeping. Will you say they have the same life like somebody jumping up and down? So life can be measured. Our greatest problem as believers is that the life in us is too slow. And all you need to do is to just make sure that the life in you is higher. We do things that suck life out of us. We do things that suck life out of us. We, we stay in places that suck life out of us. And so your number one duty is to make sure that the life of God in you is abundant. Because without life, if we come to for service sometimes, we've had a wonderful worship, you know, as we had this morning, and then suddenly you find us within you that life rises up in you. Have you been there before? You came in tired. As if spiritually, as if no breath is going to leave your, your you know, uh, you, you, you're going to be, sh- you know, totally devoid of breath. And suddenly, as we worship God, life begins to rise up. Life is measurable. We are not seeing as much of fruitfulness as we ought to simply because there is no life. Life will increase in the name of Jesus. And so what do I need to, to increase life? You see, the spiritual and the physical, they are parallel. And so it's very easy. What is it that keeps us living? Food. Food. Not too much of it. Food. In parts of the world where, you know, uh, there's a lot of starving and, and problem. Syria is still not quiet yet. It's still not. You just see 80 again. 
you know, some of these things, you just, you just wonder. Uh, dare I say, without being judgmental, um, God abhors idolatry. And um, because it, it keeps back to number one thing, which is unbelief. Anybody that just dealt, dwelt in, you know, I've had to minister unto people who have been involved in Freemasonry, who have been involved in occult here in this city. I had some terrible story of a family, you know, death after death after death, totally unexplained. It's because of the same idolatry. So nations where there's a lot of idolatry, it's as if God just withdraws his hand and, and demons have been free right there. And so nations like Haiti, we need to pray for And they know it. It's one of the headquarters of voodoo in the world. And so we, we need to cry unto God on their behalf that their eyes will be opened. You know, it's, it's just painful. They, when was the earthquake that was in Haiti? Eh? 2010. So within six years. It's almost like a, you know, a six, like a cycle. And, and, uh, and there are places like that that, you know, food is in short, short supply. And when, what I'm talking about life, do we understand it more? You understand it more. And also, you probably understand it more when you, when you do fast. I have prolonged fast. You, 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 every step is, is a chore. And that, that's, that's when you know that life is actually ebbing out of you. <laughs> you know? And that's why you also need to be advised when, when you do such long fast. So number one thing, without any doubt, brothers and sisters, friends, that gives life unto human being is what? It's food. Because that is the fuel. That's the first thing that starts going down. And the body is so well equipped and adjusted to make sure it constantly supplies you food. The same thing the spiritual is. When a person is starving, our human body normally has store where food is in our body. You are aware of that. Okay, the first place that the, 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 the body goes to after it has exhausted all the food that is in the bloodstream and it can't do anything, uh, there's a good supply in the liver. And then after the liver, it starts going to different places, fat and muscles. And, and, and the last is, is, it depends on how vital that particular organ is before it is converted to food. Because that's what the body does. So when a person is starving, actually the person starts eating himself to keep alive. That's what is happening. So the muscle will go and say it could be converted to, 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 to consumable food, which is glucose, you know, or one form or another. Then after the muscle has gone, the last muscle that's usually affected is the heart muscle. And then the person just, just eats yourself up from inside. Very graphic. Uh, the same thing spiritually. <laughs> when a person is devoid of the word of God, you have used the remnants of what you have. You have picked here, there, from what you get in church. It comes to a time in which practically, because of the lack of the word in you, you are almost eating up yourself and you are exterminating or, or, or expiring based on the lack of what is in your life. Number two thing that we need, time is gone. Number two thing that we need to keep life going, Apart from food. And what is the food? When we talk about the word of God, about the spiritual things, is the word of God. Okay, very quickly, what is number two thing that we need to give us life and keep us going? Eh? Water, that's part of food. Water and food. I hope you know that there's a lot of water, there's a lot of food, there's a lot of water in food. Yeah, there's a lot of water in food. Uh, you should drink water, but if you eat well, 
That's why many of you, because you don't perspire much in this country, you get dehydrated, and you came from a tropical country, and we, you don't know, you don't feel the thirst, but your body is losing water because there's a lot of water in the food. Uh, a, a loaf of bread, sorry, a, a, you know, a sandwich will probably contain, I'm not a nutrition, but I can hazard a guess, up to 25% of water. So most of the time when you are biting things, you're actually eating water. So don't worry about it. So that takes care of water, man. All right, what is the other thing you need to keep alive? Air. Breath. You need air. And the air that we need to keep life going. We're talking about the life of God in you. So I want you to live here today, brethren, making sure the life of God in you is potent, is, is increasing, it's not diminishing. You need air. And air comes from what? Air comes from breathing in and out. And that is, what is the number one thing? Where do we use air most apart from breathing? I hope somebody will get it. No gift for this one. In talking. That's why the people that talk, they say you deblovate. So whatever goes in and out, actually talking is the commonest time when hair goes in and out. Because what blows over your vocal cord is the air, isn't it? So in, out, in, out. And so spiritually speaking, when we say we are breathing, what are we doing? We are talking to God. Because that is where the source of life comes from. All right? That is talking to God. Prayer, that's it. So you must constantly be breathing in and out to God. You breathe in unto him, the words. You take him back onto your heart. Even because prayer is a two-way conversation. It's a two-way, it's a, it's a two-way, it's a, it's a bi-directional process. Okay? What, do I, what else do we need to stay healthy and, and alive? Clothing. Okay, good. All right. So you keep warm. Fellowship is that one, if you want to use that. Okay? Which other one? Very vital. Do, I hope you know some people, it depends on where you are. Some people can live without clothing. You are quite aware of that? All right. Okay. So you heard of nudist club before? Even if you had, you won't tell me you have. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Everywhere in the world. Yeah. You see, that's the irony of life. Those that have clothes, they want to remove it. Those that don't have, they're looking for clothes. I saw a young lady... Nice jeans, they cut it on the knee. I said, what happened? <laughs> and there are people all their life, they are looking that their trousers will not be torn. Once their trousers are torn, they are sad. I watch on telly, there's this group from uh, Japan. They, in fact, their own theory was serious. They tore it like that, they tore it like that, they tore it like that. These boys are worth millions of dollars. Human beings, when we get to heaven, we have a lot to answer for. <laughs> we, are the, we are the craziest creatures. So, as important as clothing is, sorry, ma, it's not that important as you think. For some people, they rather grow naked than clothed. All right? So, anybody else? What is it? Shelter? It is still clothing? You can live outside easily. So, eh? Sunlight? Good. Uh, we put sunlight as part of food. Eh? Exercise. Mobility is important. Uh, Ask people who have food, who can breathe, and they are completely immobile. It's a matter of time they will expire. Because there are many things in you that mobility helps to do without you knowing. Lying down without moving at all, water will even collect on your lungs. Just, just doing that. Just don't do anything. You don't need to eat. Just, don't, just stay in one place. Bed sore will come. A lot will come. So mobility is also, and what is mobility? 
He said, how good and pleasant are the feet of them that publish good news. You have life when you begin to publish the good news. You have, you can't, you can't, you can't. We, all you are, you eating, you are drinking, you are breathing, you pray and pray and pray and pray and study and study and study. If you don't walk around, that's same food and prayer. That's what we kill the person. There are people that prayer is killing them. They pray and pray and pray and pray. They pray to understand that God just closed the curtain against them. He said, let them be praying as long as they like. Because what they prayed yesterday and God asked them to act on it today, they've not acted. We need to preach the gospel. That is where they exercise it. The feet on it that publish good news. It is beautiful. They walk around. In actual fact, it didn't say, blessed are the feet of them that publish good news on the mountain. Believe you me, to publish the goodness of the mountain is quite an exercise. And maybe that's why we are not evangelizing. Because you don't publish in the valley. It takes some climbing. It takes some breathlessness. I was on a flight yesterday. And I was just looking for every opportunity to preach to this boy. I remember those days, anytime I fly, it's like today. I mean, one, years back, I preached to one guy. I think he's from Far East. And then we came down at Heathrow. The guy was responding already. You know, he works, in, he works in central London. Very good job. He came down at Heathrow, and then I was chasing him. <laughs> and the guy, the guy smiled. And, uh, you know, he, he, he received the gospel uh, non, in a non-committal manner. He believed in Jesus, blah, blah, blah. But I was so desperate. We must get to a point where God will grip our heart as a people. Anywhere we go, we will preach the gospel. And I mentioned that to you last Wednesday. When you begin to preach the gospel, it's going to be a safeguard for you. You know, whatever you don't like, people will know you for it already. Many of us will get tempted because, and we fall into it, because we have not declared who we are. Even your family, do they know? Many of you, maybe your family knows already, but there are many, their families don't, don't even know you are believers yet. Exercise. As we put all this together, I have the absolute confidence in the Lord that we shall see the manifestation of the power of the Lord. May your circle of influence increase. Yeah, because, brethren, we need people. We need each other. Many at times we behave as if we don't. Sometimes, you know, we come to church, we rush out. Um, I will use that as a final chat for you today. Don't leave quickly after service today. Because I'm sure there's a connection that the Lord will give you today. We are rushing to nowhere. We rush, 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 rush. And I know time is precious. But above all things, may the Lord release unto you people who will be blessing unto you. Amen. Mm, authentic people. People that we just, just one meeting will change your life. And somebody will meet you and their life will change. Amen. Mm, because you've got Christ in you, who is the hope of glory. Praise the name of the Lord. You want to rise up with me? There's one group of people the Lord laid on my heart to pray for today, but let the rest of us rise up, please, and just pray. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What spirit is in you? Ah, no, no, no. How did we say it there? Thank you, sir. What spirit is in you? What spirit is in you? So just about 10 people has the spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. Put that, screen, put that back on the screen for me. It should be a memory verse for us, please. Romans 8, 11. We'll pray with that just in a moment. Right. What spirit is in you now? 
What spirit is in you? And what will that spirit do for you? Sorry, are we all literate in this place? I just want to check, please. I'm not, I don't want to be rude. Are we all literate? The last time you checked. <laughs> I'm not saying it because I just want to make you feel good. I'm saying it because your confession will be your possession. You don't confess, it doesn't happen now. We keep wondering, when I go, I will do it. When I go, you are here and I do it. What spirit is in you? Okay, you are going to formulate and say, the spirit that is in me is the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. Is that too long a sentence to say? Shall we confess that together? I want to go. You want to say it two more times? One. And I'm quite aware, some before we say it one more time, may not be able to say that very clearly. Because maybe truly that spirit is not in you. And there's no big deal about it. 35 years ago, that spirit was not in me. I was a church goer. I was well known. I won that was a prize for Bible. Believe you me, the girl that preached to me and I gave my life to Christ, I knew Bible more than the person. But I knew the spirit of Christ was not in me. And one day I made that decision. So maybe you are in the house at some stage. When I'm praying for that, I will, you will join those that are coming out. And I will find out. And that spirit will come into you. I said, that spirit will come into that person today. So for the last time, the spirit that is in me, everybody. I think we've lost the trend before. So the amp has gone down. So I want to amp to up the amp again. One, two, go. And what will that spirit do for you? Okay, so let somebody tell me what all of us should say. What will that spirit do for you? It will quick it will give life to my mortal body or it will quicken my mortal body. Uh, teacher, you are making it complex. <laughs> Mrs. Yakta. <laughs> all right. We make it simple. So, it will give life to my... Alright, so, what will it do? Please, what I'm doing, not stranger, we are praying already. Because things are changing. I said things are changing. Don't be too caught up in religious practice. That's the way we prayed last week. Why is power's pastor doing today? Don't miss out on what is going on. What will that spirit that is in you do? We will stay with give life. Those quicken King James Version. Oh, King James Version, close it now. It will give life to my. All right, everybody. Everybody. So we say the old sentence that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is within me. And the spirit. That raised Jesus from the dead, we give life unto my mortal body. What I didn't have time to tell you is that it didn't say we give life to your spirit, we give life to your mortal body. What do you do with your mortal body? You, you do employment, you do business. That's what life will be in. What do you do with your mortal body? You 
you have relationship with you know children with, with whatever or everything is in this body that we do it because he said everyone we give an account of what he has done in the body the spirit we give life unto the body not just the spirit the body so finally we're going to say that and then we'll turn it to prayer for just about 60 seconds we said the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is within me and the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead we give life to my mortal body we give life unto my body and everything that I do with that body in the name of Jesus lift up your voices and call on the name of the Lord turn that to your prayer the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead leave the scripture on the screen and use that to pray that's the only prayer that we have I'm confident and trusting in the Lord there will be a change in you and I because the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, we quicken our mortal bodies. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I receive life. I receive life in the engagement I have in my, with my neighbors, the engagement I have with my family, the engagement that I have in the ministry, the engagement that I have with my finances, everything that I do in my physical body. That's what mortal body means, physical body give life holy spirit i receive life oh yes lord begin to pray to that now the word of god that is in you will be nourishment unto you this prayer we give life because you are breathing unto god and breathing back unto yourself and as we exercise in preaching the word of the living god your life will never remain the same in the name of jesus hallelujah i receive life right now i receive life i receive life Thank you, Heavenly Father. Bring your prayer to a close. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. That's what we call stirring up yourself. Stir yourself up right now. Because something mighty is about to happen to you. I say something glorious is about to happen to you. And I say it because of if. Say it because of if. Because I say it because of if. Because I know that if... The spirit of him that raised Jesus. I know it is a true statement. As I know something wonderful is about to happen to you now. And that's something that happens is that life will rise up in you. Life of God will flow out from you. That every area that you are lifeless, you'll be full of life. You'll be full of life. So we shall decree together as a final prayer, I receive life. And I manifest life in my physical body in the name of Jesus. Make that your confession and you will come back here to testify. You receive life. I receive life right now. And I will manifest life. And people will see me and I say, this man is lively. People will see me and I say, this man is full of life. I will touch somebody that is weak. I will be able to lift them because they will say, this man carries life. I will be able to minister to the financial need of somebody because somebody is financially weak and I have life. I can carry them. I can carry them. Oh yes, some of you that you have been running and hiding from your responsibility because you have not got strength. You have not got economic power. You have not got spiritual power. You have not got physical strength in you. But because life has entered, you will manifest life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I have the life of God in me. 
I have the life of God in me. Sing it as if you believe. This city and this nation and the world we know that you got that life. You got that life. Oh, I got that life. It's a swing, it's a swing, swing the wheel. You have to get out swing. You can't have life and be stationary. Two more times. Do you have the other life? Rejoice in it. Yes, Lord. I Celebrate your whole life. Celebrate yourself. Congratulate yourself. You are worth celebrating. You are not ordinary. The life of God is in you. Now you are there. The first call that I made. Amen. Quiet. I just have five minutes to do this one very quickly. And then we, we start winding the service down. Alright. Now get ready to just minister for me in the background in, in, in worship songs. Now the first category that I mentioned, you will join this second category. This second category that I believe the Lord laid on my heart to just pray for this afternoon are those who have been under the bondage, I don't want to, is it bondage I want to call it now? That you got addictive issues. Things that banned you for long. And addiction does not only mean substance addiction. You can't break free from a particular thing. Just, just find it so hard. The Lord says he's here to set free today. I don't know it. And I, I won't ask for the details. None of my business is yours to tell the Lord. And as you step forward now, you know that thing. You just, it's just something that you just can't free from. It's just like something that's gripped you. Quickly step forward right now. And if you also want me to pray for you, quickly, quickly, I've not got the time. If there's nobody, that's wonderful. If there is, just come forward. God bless you. Anybody coming? Anybody coming? Something that you know you want to break free from. That you want to break free from. I want to pray for you. I lay my hands upon you and you will be free. Hallelujah. And also, the first call that I made about people giving their life to Christ, come forward as well. What the Lord showed me was very clear. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the God bless you, man. Don't miss the opportunity. Whatever it is, God knows. It might be trivial. It might be something big. I don't know. But whatever it is, the Lord will set you free today. I don't know whatever it is. You just feel that something is binding you. Something you can't get over. Something is just repetitive. And it seems to come and go. I said, lay my hand upon you. The Lord will break that yoke over your life. And you will be free. 
I say you will be free. I say you will be free. All right. Hallelujah. Anyone else? God bless you. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Choir, please keep ministering for me. The rest of us continue to declare that the life of God in you will affect your generation. The life of God in you will set you from one level of glory unto another. Begin to pray right now. Begin to call on the name of the Lord. Please, I need you to really worship there for me. Because God is about to break yokes here. And we must be absolutely sure that the atmosphere is ripe and proper for the breaking of that. In the name of Jesus. For those in front, I will ask the question, is it the first or the second category? The first category are those that came out because they want to give their life to Christ. So I will ask you the first category and I'll pray a different prayer for you. And if you are the second category, just tell me the second category. That's all I want to hear from you. And then we'll take it from there. God bless you, choir.
that's above all names, I decree and declare over everyone in this room, and as many as may be listening to us remotely on the internet or by any other on the radio, I command in the name that's above all names, freedom from everyone in the name of Jesus. Freedom for everyone in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the life of God will rise from within you. And that life will manifest. The world will see it. And then we glory to our Heavenly Father. We give you honor and praise, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise. Hallelujah. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.